Elliot, have you seen this theory going around the internet about how uh, Ant-Man is going to be the key to defeating Thanos? Yeah, uh, considering what it involves, I'm kind of, you know, wary. I mean, talk about an end game. The following is a presentation of the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. They bought their tickets. They knew what they were getting into. I say, let them crash. Geek Counter Geek with Keith Conrad and Elliot Serrano. Gentlemen, you can't fight in here. This is the war room. Well, maybe it's one of those other shows, like Outer Limits. Confuse the Twilight Zone with the Outer Limits? Do you even know me? Geek Counter Geek number 135. I'm Keith Conrad, at Keith R. Conrad on Twitter. Joined, as always, by Elliot Serrano, at Elliot Serrano on Twitter. Uh, pretty much two of every letter in, in, in your name, just, you know, in case people want to find it. Uh, it's like, the, um, my name is like the Noah's Ark of Consonants. It really is, yes. And uh, as we're recording this, uh, we're getting ready for the uh, the season finale of Star Trek Discovery. And uh, we definitely want to want to cover that uh, next week, uh, you know, once we've all seen it. And, uh, and, you know, had a chance to absorb it. But, I mean, man, every episode has been better than the last, at least, at least in my opinion. And uh, I think, uh, you know, Pike, if not, uh, if not my favorite captain already after, uh, you know, after a dozen episodes, he, he's, he's way up on the list now. I think, you know, at first I want to give Anson Mount a ton of credit for not only um, being great as the character on Discovery, he's also doing his part like out there on social media, interacting with fans. Um, I've, I've had, hey, he and I are BFS right now on Twitter. I'm telling you. <laughs> and, and there's actually a, 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 a petition to uh, get CBS to make a a, a a Pike-centered series, you know, with Pike, uh, Pike number one and, and Spock on the Enterprise. And it's got over uh, 18,000 signatures, so I think CBS is probably going to at least take some notice of it. You know, um, considering... The, the the one thing that I have appreciated about what they've done with his character, of course, they've kind of uh, lined it up with the classic series canon. Everyone knows what's going to happen to Pike, and they even pretty much they show it, they foreshadow it in Discovery, and it really adds a layer of of tragedy to his character because. I'm telling you, I have really grown to like the Chris Pike character. You know, I just like him as, as a, you know, as a captain. You can see how he he would have inspired his crew. You can see why he was a captain of the Enterprise. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, he, he's a bit of a proto-Kirk, uh, but who knows? Maybe, um, you know, it was a, a case where um, we learned later on that Kirk was really inspired by Pike. And, and the way he ran things or um, Starfleet thought, you know, we need a guy who's more like Pike to run the, the Enterprise. And that's why they go with Kirk. So do you think that's uh, a great character? Do you think that's a McDonald's campaign in the 23rd century? I want to be like Pike. <laughs> um, or or um, um, Nike. I don't know. Did they have Nike? Uh, all I know, all I know is that uh, seeing the uh, the Enterprise itself 
um, the inter- the uh, discovery version of the Enterprise, the bridge and all that yeah. was pretty, pretty, uh, pretty cool. I mean, they were... <clears throat> They were able to give us sort of a retro feel, even though it was futuristic. You know, kind of like what they did with uh, remember Batman and the nineteen eighty nine Batman movie, right, where yeah. um, that with Tim Burton. Did it take place in a modern day Gotham or futuristic or a Gotham of the past, like a quote unquote steampunk? Um, so I was really impressed with the with the production of that and um, seeing how they kind of, again, trying to bring it all, bring it all together. Um, Plus the outfits really cool. Yeah. So we'll definitely want to talk about that uh, next week after we've all seen the, uh, the, the season finale. I, uh, you know, obviously they're, they're kind of pointing in one direction as to how this is all going to end up. Um, It'll be interesting to see if they kind of pull the rug out from under us and end up doing something different. Um, you know, cause, cause right now it looks like they're going, they're all going to the future and that's going to be like season three. Um, but, uh, who, who knows? They may decide to change their mind. Cause I know, I know some people have, have definitely predicted that that's what was ultimately going to happen with uh, discovery. But, uh, cause, cause we know from the, uh, the short tracks that they did, uh, in between seasons that at some point discovery does get abandoned in the future. Uh, it's just, but it gets abandoned. So the crew's somewhere. So we'll have to see what happens there. It'll be interesting. I do believe I kind of said that would be the obvious thing early on. You know, the discovery goes into the far future, which would be actually why I never understood why the discovery didn't start then. But I'm thinking if you want to establish, um, if you want to establish a rapport with this, with this crew and maybe, you know, really just like, again, get them grounded in the Star Trek universe, get putting the, get starting them off in familiar territory before you shoot them off into the unknown would make sense. Yeah, we'll have to see what they do. But, uh, you know, while we're waiting for, uh, for Star Trek Discovery to wrap up, uh, you had yourself a busy little weekend. <laughs> Oh yeah, I'm telling you, I was uh, I was at the McCormick Place this past weekend, surrounded by thousands of people. Um, it was kind of a new experience I hadn't had in a while. It was just all these folks who didn't have podcasts. It was weird. Yeah, uh, it is a little strange. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I was at the Star Wars celebration that uh, wrapped up its five days here in Chicago um, for folks who are wondering why was Star Wars celebration in Chicago. Uh, I think that kind of goes back to the original plan or we thought by this point uh, we'd be breaking ground on the Lucas Museum of Narrative Art. Uh, but then I remember, but then that fell apart. Uh, but the plans had already been set, you know, they'd already scheduled, you know, um, having, um, having a star Wars celebration here in Chicago. I think Chicago put up a good showing. Um, I want to say, I'm sure there was 70,000 people. I'm not sure how many people were appeared. Uh, the, the every day was something I managed to attend, 
the highly, highly uh, anticipated episode nine panel, which uh, ha- had the the cast and of, of Star Wars episode nine, along with J.J. Abrams and Kathleen Kennedy in attendance. And bonus for me, uh, the panel itself was hosted and moderated by uh, Chicago Northwestern alum Stephen Colbert. And uh, I was like, wow, everybody in the audience was like, um, was really blown away. Did you know that going in or was that something that would that just ended up being a surprise? That ended up being a surprise, yes. Because mind you, this was on a Tuesday. Uh, no, I'm sorry, this was on a Friday, and Stephen Colbert is still doing his show. And he he commented, "How could you know?" Made a joke about how can I be here right now for this? Why am I not in New York? Aren't I supposed to be taping a show in New York City? And I think he flew in just to moderate that panel. Again, the moment was over. He was on a plane and he flew back to New York. Wow! To do his show. So he show. was like the fly jock. Yeah. And, uh, <clears throat> and it was fun. And um, um, uh, Daisy Ridley, Oscar Isaac, John Boyega were there. Um, um, Anne-Marie. Um, uh, uh, I'm trying to remember who the – there were a couple other ones were there. Oh, Yunus. 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 Who plays Chewbacca. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, Anthony Daniels, Anthony Daniels was there, and um, another actress whose name I forget. Uh, but it was um, it was kind of neat. And then they showed the first teaser trailer for episode nine, and then they finally revealed the name of the movie. Which um, by now, when people hear this, they'll they'll already know that it's um, called uh, Star Wars: The Rise of Skywalker. So what did you, from the panel, I mean, obviously, you know, Disney's going to take pretty good care not to spoil anything, but what, other than the title, what did you learn about, uh, about the movie that you didn't already know? Uh, the Emperor is back. Um, apparently, they, they revealed, if you, of course, again, if people have heard the trailer by now, you hear the laugh of the Emperor near the end of the trailer, and Ian McDermott happened to be in attendance as well. He was there for uh, the convention. Everyone thought he was there because, you know... Uh, um, yeah, I believe that there was also like a, a 20th anniversary mm-hmm. Phantom Menace thing. And uh, but by the way, because of that, I uh, you know, because he he's obviously showing up again. Uh, you know, I was like, wow, you know, he, you know, it seems like he's uh, he's pretty aged to be, you know, getting into a, 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 a you know, a new Star Wars movie. And then uh, I, I actually looked it up and he's only 74. So I don't know if he's actually used the dark side. Or, or what? Because, because you know, see, seems like a wonderful guy, but I would never would have guessed that he was only seventy four. I thought he was pushing ninety. Well, you know, you, you see him in person. He's taking taking good care of himself. I'm like, you know, he looks pretty good. And when you look at the makeup job they did on him in Return of the Jedi, he actually looks older in Return of the Jedi than he does, you know, as he, than he does now. So I mean, I'll give him that. Um, but, uh, yeah, it was kind of a, a bit, uh, uh, everyone was kind of going bonkles that, you know, it's revealed that the emperor, um, is a part of the final chapter 
And, you know, uh, uh, it it was also later revealed, J.J. Abrams says that he did consult George Lucas on episode nine. So um, Abrams wrote it. He wrote this one, co-wrote it with uh, Chris Terrio. Um, uh, Lawrence Kasdan isn't on this one like he was with them on the the Force Awakens. It's a new screenwriter, J.J. Abrams and Chris Terrio. And J.J. Abrams... uh, talked to George Lucas, talked about how he wanted to, you know, bring the entire saga to a close, as they say, that this is not only the end of the third trilogy, but it's supposed to be the end of the entire Skywalker saga. So he has to, he wanted to come up with a story that pretty much relates to everything that's gone before. And when you think about it, all the sequels, like Phantom Menace and The Last Jedi, uh, pretty much um, touch on the previous six films. I mean, they all reference the prequels as well as the classic trilogy. Uh, so, you know, I think it's not, un, you know, it's, it wouldn't be unheard of for the, the third one to, you know, again, uh, do the same, but also, you know, echo and conclude a lot of the themes that, um, that have been explored before. And I don't know. It's like, I think, cause there, there were some folks, I know for me, okay. Uh, I will say this. You, I've said time and again how I how I felt about Star Wars after the Last Jedi, as a tad discouraged, right? Mm-hmm. You know, and I'm, I get, I I know, and, but I don't want to be one of those fans. I don't want to be one of those fans that poo poos anybody else's enthusiasm for it. Because if you saw the Last Jedi and you liked it, good for you. Was it my cup of tea? Not really. Well, we've we've uh, we've we talked about this before, and and from my perspective. I was sort of half and half on The Last Jedi because, unlike a lot of people, I actually found um, Luke's, you know, storyline in that movie, uh, you know, really believable and really compelling. Um, But I wish it had been in a better movie. Like, I thought everything everything else on that, everything else in the movie was, was, uh, I was kind of like, yeah, I, I, I don't like that. But I really liked Luke's arc in, in the story. So that, that, that's where I landed on it. And I, I'm, I think I'm ba- based on looking at all the hot takes and, uh, and talking to you, it seems like I'm fairly unique in that. But that's where I landed on it. Uh, no, you, 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 you've expressed a somewhat common um, observation or made of some common observation. There are a lot of other folks. Yeah, yeah, that's good. But eh, other issues. And, and to me, and I'll even say this. Um, that I've come to terms with Luke's, uh, story arc. I mean, you know, again, I've, I've spoken ad nauseum about this on, in previous podcasts. So I'm not going to rehash it. Um, but after seeing, and oddly enough, after seeing, won't you be my neighbor? the Fred Rogers documentary that actually helped me helped me accept Luke's story arc even more because here's the thing. Um, a lot of people forget how discouraged Fred Rogers was after he stopped the show and around nine 11, remember they, they, you know, if you see, won't you be my neighbor They he had been called back, you know, PBS asked him to come back and do some, some spots about, you know, being kind to each other and coming mm-hmm. together and all those things. And his, and his, 
words, you know, goes, why, why am I doing this? You know, he goes, because it was, it, it was pretty much meaningless. He felt like a lot of what he had done really amounted to nothing. He felt like, you know, he'd failed and seeing that, you know, in a real life person who to me was, you know, an idealist and so successful in what they were doing. And when you look back on what Fred Rogers did, and the things he accomplished and, and the impact that he had in society, you know, you would think, wow, this guy had to be an idealist to the very end. And the reality is that he wasn't. Mm-hmm. So, so I'm like, okay, if Fred Rogers can feel that way, I guess I need to accept that that's going to happen to Luke too. <clears throat> uh, but I was sitting next to Marcus Lashock, uh of the WGN Morning News. Here, let me pick up that uh, name he just dropped. Yeah, there we go. And it's funny, too, because I helped get him into the panel. Uh, (laughs) Marcus, if it wasn't for me, you wouldn't have been sitting in that room. And I'll tell you, we did a little Jedi mind trickery here. Um, But we both watched the panel together. We both watched the trailer together. And the first thing he did is he turned to me and goes, what do you think? And I went, you know what? I'm back in. <laughs> and he goes, yep. No, no I'm sorry. He goes, he goes, he said, I'm back in. So it was like, Marcus was just like me. We weren't sure about, about it. But when we saw the trailer, we're like, okay, boom. And I, I if you take, um, the trailers that J.J. Abrams has been involved with. You look at all the teaser trailers for The Force Awakens, and then look at the teaser trailers for The Last Jedi. Both of those movies, they have very different feels to them. And I remember, um, you know, again, the, the trailers for The Last Jedi didn't really strike the same chord with me. You look at this teaser trailer to to uh, the Rise of Skywalker, and you can tell that Abrams is really going for the aspirational, inspirational take on the characters. So um, that's what you know. I guess what really buoyed me, and uh, yeah. So that was the talk, and I, and I will say this too. And I think there's something that a lot of folks walked away from the Star Wars celebration um, feeling is that if, if, if it proved anything, there is a stark contrast between fandom, when you have fandom together in person, in real life, congregating in places, doing things together, participating in things together, you know, in the real world, as opposed to online. Right, and yeah. a lot of that, you know, yeah, and a lot of that negativity that you see online just is not present in in that in in a real life situation. Which I think, and I, I will always say, I say this, I say it all the time. A lot of that negativity that's out there, it's a very vocal minority that is just given too much oxygen. They have their message repeated all the time. They say things all the time, and we just pay them too much attention, uh, which is why um, they just get um, just get elevated too much. And I think if we kind of like start, you know, blocking that out, muting that, I think fandom in general is going to be a lot more positive. Well, I think that makes sense, because when was the last time you trolled somebody to their face? Oh, you don't. That's right. Yeah, you're not going to do that. And, and, and again, it's, it's, and it's, you're going to see, I'm pretty sure you have a lot of folks who, who are those quote-unquote trolls online, but when they go 
into a real life situation, um, they're not, you know, they, they, they get rid of, you know, that whole thing kind of like sloughs away their, their cynicism and their, Oh, everything's terrible kind of deal, you know, because then they get to kind of like enjoy the, the, the communal nature of fandom. Um, trolls aren't communal at all. They just want to agitate and, and get attention. Uh, but they're not, they're certainly not going to be part of a, part of a social atmosphere. Um, so when you get into a place like, you know, a convention like Star Wars Celebration or any kind of convention, you know, comic book conventions, sci-fi conventions, anything, anywhere where people who, who have a common passion, a common interest, want to come together and share and, 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 and socialize, um, you know, because of those, those common interests, you know, the, I think that's the whole purpose of being a fan, you know, because you want to be able to, to, to interact with others and have those types of relationships. And trolling is the exact opposite of that. And some people just find it too hard to, to get well, I, attention being positive. I, I think fandom is like, uh, you know, anything else uh, in the real world. Like there's people like, uh, you know, like, like, like you and me and, uh, you know, I think the vast majority of people are you know in that fandom where they just want to you know like share the experience and and you know uh you know enjoy it and then there's that little sliver of people who just want to be who just want to prove that they're in their mind at least that they're right like that that's the that that's the whole thing like even star wars is just a vehicle for them uh proving to the world that they're right yeah, and if that's what they want to do, the, the only thing they're good, the only person they're going to be pleasing is themselves, yeah. and they're certainly not gonna, they're certainly not gonna achieve any sort of status that way. Um, some of these trolls, the, the problem is, is they people take trolling so far, and it's unfortunate that that the trolling affects people. And now, now, mind you, it's not just in Star Wars fandom; it's all fandoms. I mean, if anything, we've seen trolling and 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 just being downright disrespectful and divisive has gotten really bad in, let's say, sports fandom. Oh yeah, you know, and, and certainly you know, politics to at this point, politics, yeah. Right. Politics. Um, and, you know, I'll separate politics a bit because, um, you know, politics is real life, you know, so I can that's see true, people yeah. getting really passionate things there. I mean, that's consequential to me. Um, whereas, you know, why, why are you going to uh, uh, troll Carl Edwards Jr. of the Cubs, you know, and, and start calling him racist names on, on social media? You know, what what what? impact does that make on in, on the world at all on the sport at all you know it does yeah. nothing you know and if anything it just brings everybody down um especially when sports is supposed to be something again we're supposed to be enjoying it's entertainment for goodness sakes you know these these athletes get paid millions of dollars because they entertain us so you know it's the i can understand getting mad at carl edwards jr because he was the heart doctor that flubbed your father's heart transplant Okay, that's one thing, but because he gave up a home run, you know, to the freaking Marlins, and you lost the game early in the season, well, big whoop. No yeah. one, you know, that, that has, you know, that that that's inconsequential in the grander scheme of things. Uh, and and then, and I'm sorry, but, and when it comes to politics, I'm sorry, but there are politicians now that troll people too. You know, they're not they're not but, saying about yeah, it. Yeah, one, one of them is president. 
Well, yes. So, <laughs> so that I'll, yeah, I'll make that a little, that's over there. So, um, to me, I think now we, if we, if we talk about social media as a reflection of how we are as a society, we need to learn that there's for as many people as you see on Twitter and on Facebook. Okay. Even if you have 1 billion people on Facebook, that's still 7 billion people who are not right. Yeah. You know, even if you have, I don't know, I, want to say how, I forgot what the last numbers on, um, on um, Twitter were like 500 to 750 million, whatever on Twitter, that's still millions and millions and millions, billions of people who are not on Twitter. Mm-hmm. So that samples, that does not represent all of society. And sometimes I think we forget that. Yeah, that's true. We, uh, we really do. So. Other than uh, what was the biggest uh, your your biggest non episode nine takeaway from uh, Star Wars Celebration? Um, let's see, because uh, I, I I could there was of course the the talk about the shows. You had the Star Wars Resistance mm-hmm. uh, is being renewed. Clone Wars is back. Uh, they're both Dave Filoni and the, and the crew are back. They've uh, revived Clone Wars for an, um, a new season. This time for Disney and uh, the Mandalorian, which is the first live action Star Wars television show, which is being held by held by John Favreau. Takes place five years after Return of the Jedi, and it follows a Mandalorian bounty hunter. On on his adventures, and uh, should played by uh, see, and again, this is where my nerd cred really takes a hit because I'm I'm trying to remember Enrique Pascal is that his name? He plays the yeah. Mandalorian. Yeah, he was uh, who also played the. Um, See, I want to call him Enigo Montoya <laughs> because because that's what his character reminded me of on Game of Thrones when he was fighting uh, the mountain. He played, he played the uh, the Viper, right? From Dorne, he played yeah. the yeah, yeah. and uh, he's fighting the mountain mm-hmm. for um, for Tyrion's uh, trial by combat, and and he's got the mountain down, and he's like saying say her name. He's he's essentially saying my name is Enigo Montoya. You kill my father, prepare to die. Yeah. but he said it like one too many times. So he ends up getting killed <laughs> instead of killing the mountain. Um, but yeah, but he plays the Mandalorian. And so, and uh, you have a lot of other folks, uh, Dave Filoni of, of rebels and of clone wars directed an episode. I've been saying for the longest time, he needs to get involved in the live action stuff. And, uh, white, white, uh, Taika, Waki- Oh my God, here we go again. I always get his name wrong. Uh, the director of Thor Ragnarok and uh, produced also, um, See, see, this time I can't help you out because I don't have a computer in front of me, so I can't quickly uh, Google it and uh, and and act see, I look, look like him, I know what I'm doing. I'm doing. I uh, see. I want to say Taika Wakiti, but I know I know that's wrong. I am so again. Uh, send angry emails to geekcountergeek at gmail dot com. Yes, and say Elliot, how can you not know the name of Thor Ragnarok, or how can you get his name wrong? He's from New Zealand. That must make you racist. <laughs> <laughs> 
but uh, he, he directed an episode and is also the uh, voice of IG-88, which oh, nice. should be fun. And, uh, and uh, no matter where you go in the world, uh, remember that, that you always want to get the best headphones and uh, audio accessories from Tweaked Audio at tweakedaudio.com. <laughs> Oh, yeah, tweakedaudio.com, where you're going to have um, eight different styles and colors, uh, both uh, mic'd and non-mic'd versions, uh, wireless, wired and wireless. You can use their head, uh, headphones and earbuds for things like just answering phone calls, uh, listening to music, uh, co-op gaming, uh, whatever price point you're looking at, Tweaked Audio has a set of um, earphones for you and even better if you enter the code gcg at checkout you will get 33 percent off your uh your purchase price and free worldwide shipping anywhere in the world okay so before we uh, head off into the sunset here uh speaking of trolling uh i feel like i i have to do a little bit of trolling here uh, Elliot, uh, as you know, I'm, I'm going to a Dragon Con in, in uh, Labor Day weekend in Atlanta, as is uh, my, uh, my, my habit every other year. Uh, so I have to ask, uh, better cosplayers, uh, Star Wars Celebration or Dragon Con? Ooh, that's a good question. <clears throat> Mind you, this is not to say that the... Um, the cosplayers at Star Wars Celebration are by any means um, inferior, but you will find a wider selection of characters at Dragon Con. Um, you know, the people, and it seems to me Dragon Con is kind of like the cosplay uh, 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 convention. Yeah. You know, yes, you're, you're going to see a lot of cosplayers at San Diego Comic-Con. You're going to see them at C2E2. You're going to see them at all the conventions. But it seems to me that the top level cosplayers and let's just face it, a Dragon Con is more conducive to a cosplay experience. Because mm-hmm. what, what, what happens in the evening, you know, um, at, was it the rate at the Ray, the Ray Bradbury um uh, the, the hotel, they call it the, oh my God, here again, I'm, um, I've, I'm just having, I, every time I get my nerd card back, I just drop it. <laughs> um, the hotel that hosts the, the, the Dragon Con for the most part. Uh, there's the, the Marriott Marquis, oh. there's uh, the, the Hyatt, <clears throat> uh, the Westin. The hotel that has a funny colored uh, carpeting. That, that would be the Marriott. Is that the Marquis? Yeah, that's the, the Marriott. Marquis. That's the one with the glass uh, elevator? Yes. Yes, it is. Right. So you sit, you go to that little restaurant that's on the second level, right? Mm-hmm. And and you go at, at, at the end of the, you know, at the, at the, after the convention's done and it's just people hanging out, you go up there, you get yourself a drink, you sit in the balcony, and you just look down on the levels below, below you, and all the cosplayers come out in what is just essentially – a giant debutante ball for cosplayers. Yeah. Uh, just, so, just, <clears throat> so you give the uh, the advantage to, uh, to DragonCon there. Uh, what about uh, the 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 ratio of people having showered more people having showered more recently? Well, wow, that's a good one. Well, I was just at Star Wars Celebration, and I gotta say, 
their shower game was good. There was a lot of, uh, there were a lot of bathed folks among them. The proceeding was a presentation of the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Find our other great shows on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, and at radiomisfits.com. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Cabotron.